Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Sharon Feckety, your host, and I am so elated. And it's rare that I get elated to introduce somebody to the show. Not saying that I don't love everybody that's come on, but there is a huge source of light that surrounds this young man that I'm going to introduce, and I can't wait to have this conversation. So welcome to the show, Coach Kai. Hello, Sharon. I am so happy to be here as well. Um, I, I love what you do and I love how you are, you know, interviewing like healers and really getting a chance to, you know, hear our stories and and kind of unravel, you know, like what what went on and what, <laughs> what yes. we're up to now. Yes. How did this all happen? So let's get let's get right into it because I think you have such a, a wonderful story, as many people know that listen or watch the show. Um, as the doctor whisperer, I help doctors navigate through their business. And what I have learned through the years is that, you know, business is not taught in medical school and doctors go into their own practice, whatever they decide to do, whether it be in a hospital or a large um, privately held practice. And then there's partnership and there's administration and there's stress and there's electronic health records and, and nobody really thinks it's going to be what it tends to be. And you have really transitioned yourself into this, what I dare I say, like becoming more and more of who you really are and what you want to put out to the world every day. And I, I found you on TikTok. So Dr. Kai, Coach Kai, because um, you are a medical doctor, I just want everybody to know that you have 193 followers on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, over 3 million likes, which is incredible. You're touching that many people, uh, thousands on Instagram. And I'm just so interested in your story, like your why. So just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and how you came to be where you're at now. Yeah, I feel like your origin story uh, has to involve my parents. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm the oldest son of a Chinese immigrant parents who um, they're, they're born and raised in Southern China. And my dad had this like, really obscure business opportunity to go to Canada but it's like the north pole of Canada in Whitehorse Yukon which is like the Juneau Alaska so poor man like doesn't speak a word of English never left the country his city his little town and he went with my uncle to a foreign land and uh, he just started dating my mom so my dad was able to persuade my mom to come check out this new home that he's building. And like, my mom was just like, what the hell is this? But like, she saw the opportunity and she wanted, they were both ready to like, you know, raise a family. So they thought. Um, so then, you know, I was born and not too, like not too long after. Uh, but it was, it was tough growing up. Like, um, it was just like the culture difference, the generation gap and language barriers between me and my family. 
And it's pretty dysfunctional in the house. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are, you know, high school educated. They're very unhappy, a lot of fights, a lot of arguments. And I lived in a multi-generational household with grandparents. So I never met, I never got to meet my grandpa on my mom's side. Apparently he was a saint. My grandma on my mom's side was a saint too. Uh, my grandparents on my dad's side, a different story. Um, they had their, their own troubles. Um, but it was like this gener- it was like this constant war at the house because my parents on my dad's side like looked down at my mom. And there was like just so immature. There was like bullying in the house with my grandparents, bullying my mom and my grandma. So I grew up just like in so much anxiety. And I was like a socially, I was anxious, not even socially anxious, but really insecure, anxious, timid Chinese Canadian. Um, so it was, it was like kind of rough growing up, but I learned pretty early from my dad and being Chinese and all that school is the way. And luckily I was blessed with a very intelligent mind. Uh, so I, I kicked ass at school. Like I was always like number one in like grade school, but it was also like to, to like my own kind of psychological detriment because my dad was unavailable. So every time I got to see him was around report cards where, he, where he'll ask me, it's like, how many A's did I get? Were you number one or were you at least number two? So pretty early I got programmed in my head that school's all that mattered. I got to succeed. I got to achieve. Wasn't really a man unless like, you know, I get my dad's approval. Um, so yeah, I kind of grew up not knowing who I was. I was a people pleaser. Uh, I had friends call me out. I was a chameleon. It really depend who I was. And that's how I spoke and my attitude. Because inside, it was like a constant war. And I hated myself. <laughs> um, so I kind of grew up just kind of following like school. And I went straight to university. And like after first year university, I was like, med school. Yeah. Med school. <laughs> so I, I literally like just breathed school. Like I remember back then, I would uh, sometimes, you know, I'd be studying till like 10, 11 p.m., and then I'd be hungry and I would have a decision. Like I either go to sleep and I'll eat breakfast or I could quickly eat a snack and go to bed. Like I was just so like programmed to be efficient and school driven that I sacrificed and like so many other avenues of my life. So eventually uh, I got into medical school. Uh, I, I had a gap year where I didn't get accepted right away. And that was a blessing because that was the first time where I had some time where I dedicated to myself. Like I worked part-time teaching. I traveled to Thailand by myself and I was meditating and doing a lot of yoga then. And that was the first like inkling I had of like connecting with my true authentic inner voice. And initially I, I was put on the wait list for med school. And I was actually like, it was shocking because that was my second year trying to get in. And I wasn't that disappointed. Like the first time I was so devastated, but the second time after traveling and teaching part-time, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm happy to do another year just exploring. And you know what? Teaching as a plan B, great. Yeah. It's just as life unfolds, a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from like where I'm living now in Newfoundland. And they're like, someone didn't take the spot. Do you want to jump into med school? And I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I was like, yeah, that was 2015, uh, 2015. And med school itself was a five-year journey um, where I put myself through it. And, you know, I'm glad I did it because it's like, it was the biggest mountain. It was like my Mount Everest that I've ever climbed. Like I wanted to quit like throughout the whole time and I was seeing therapy and I took a year off during the third year and it was really taboo. Like there was so much shame 
in the system, but also I was working through a lot of my own shame. Like I remember, like I had to like, it was a Sunday in my third year of medical school and I just started a surgery rotation um, and I had the worst Sunday blues. Like I was trying to study and like, I couldn't study. Like I was, I, I wasn't sleeping the whole week. It was a really gruesome work schedule and surgery. And that was the first time I ever broke down and like being so prized with my thinking brain, my logical brain, that's not, I, I didn't know anything else besides my thinking brain. Like that Sunday afternoon, it shut down on me. And I spent three hours like Googling med- medical student forums of people dropping out. I spent three hours like going down this dark rabbit hole of bankruptcy until eventually like I snapped and like something in me would just like shut my laptop down. Like I was just so numb. And something told me I need to get outside and just walk. Like, I just need to walk around and clear my head. So I did one lap around the around my block. I was like kind of getting my sanity back. And then I was doing my second lap. And in my head, I was like, okay, I'm ready. We'll go back in. We'll study as much as we can. And even, even if like shit goes, goes down and, you know, like it sucks, uh, I'll take a break. Mm-hmm. But it really took me to have a breakdown like that. And I had to question if I was suicidal for me to come to that decision that nothing matters more than my health. And a break is actually an option. Because before then, before that breakdown, my brain was like a break. There's no such thing as a break. Like there's so much shame, so much taboo. I would rather die than consider like taking a break or dropping out. Right. So, Okay, I have so much to say and I have so many questions swirling, but I really am so fascinated by this story because I I don't think I've ever heard anybody be um, willing and vulnerable enough to tell that whole story of what it's really like. So if you could give the audience some perspective of the pressures of med school and, and what you think led to that break which I of course too believe so necessary and I'm sure you're today in retrospect so grateful (laughs) that all of that happened right you wouldn't be where you are today without it but and and I I do totally believe that there is so much um, learning and there's so many lessons and our our pain is so necessary so necessary so, but what was it? Tell, tell the audience a little bit about those pressures yeah. in med school. Yeah. And it's like one of those things, right? You don't really know it until you're in it and you're in the system and you're living in the culture because it's, it's, it's its own like isolated world. Mm-hmm. Um, so what led to the breakdown? So uh, I'll just finish the story and it links up with the breakdown. But like, so on my second lap, as I was, I made a decision, I was ready to go back in the house, I'll study, you know, I'll just try my best and I'll take a break if I have to. I thought I was back into my normal sanity, sane mind. But on the second lap, as I was approaching my house from down the street, a cop car was parked outside my house. I had roommates, but they weren't home. It was just me in the house. But I realized my thinking wasn't back to normal. I was really paranoid. So in my head, my storyline was like the cop must have hacked my computer saw that I was searching for bankruptcy he thinks I'm a fraud I'm gonna get arrested Uh or whatever so I actually as opposed to going to my house and talking with a cop I kept walking I like just pretended I didn't live there and I did a third lap but as soon as I walked past the cop something in me was like Kai this is so silly um like it's not about that let's go back so at at that point I thought it was just too awkward for me to just turn around and walk into the house so Mm -hmm. I did a third lap 
So when I did my third lap, I was like pretty sane and, and I started walking towards the cop, but it drove away. The cop drove away before I could talk to her. Um, so a couple of days later, I got a phone call and uh, it was the officer and she was calling me because I forgot to pay gas earlier that week. <laughs> so that's just, yeah, and I've never forgotten to pay gas, but that is how taxing medical school is. It, I was that stressed out and that overtaxed that I forgot to pay for freaking gas. Like I was 24 years then and never forgot to pay for gas and no one usually pays, forgets to pay for gas. Um, so it is a pretty tough program. Like there's a lot of pressure um, and it's, it's like, so in, in North America, um, it's a four-year program. Mm -hmm. So the first two years is pretty manageable because like my class size is a class size of 80. So like you kind of see all your friends every day. It's a lot of classroom-based learning. There's some like, there's some scenarios where you're in small groups and we have this great program where there's a lot of trained actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. So they pretend to be patients oh, and cool. you practice interviewing them and you practice developing the soft skills. Mm -hmm. So like, I love, like that part was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. Um, but the, the toughest leap I find is from the second year to third year where you're kind of thrown into the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. So you're still expected to study and write exams while working a full-time job in the hospital. And you kind of like, like you do have responsibilities. And at the end of the day, it's like, it falls on the resident or the, the attendant. But even then, it's like you are part of the system and your work still kind of matters. And it's pretty interesting because in your third year, you go through the different specialties. Like I started with surgery. Um, so there's a lot of strategy, like there's, there's different tracks you can pick. So my track um, it started with surgery and it ended with internal medicine. So there's different ways you can do it. Uh, but surgery, it's like known to be the most gruesome, the most like militant. Mm -hmm. And so this is my own, you know, personal experience. And I, I have talked to some medical friends about it. Um, but it's kind of like very patriarchal. It's mm -hmm. actually like, so this is from, I'm a bit, I'm still a bit like, you know, a bit traumatized and jaded from my experience. So mm -hmm. like take this with a grain of salt and I'm, I'm getting triggered now. Uh, but I experienced like so much patriarchal, like condescending BS. Bullshit. Go ahead and so much racism. Mm. Like for me, one of the most heartbreaking experience I've ever had in medicine and it wasn't from a patient but it was from surgeons um we were in like the hangout lobby room mm -hmm. so that's where we all hang out in between like operations and stuff so a lot of surgeons are there the residents are there and it just happened during my rotation working at the hospital there was like another asian medical student there was like two or three residents that were asian and one of the surgeons was asian uh, but majority of the other surgeons were Caucasian white males. Uh, there were some female surgeons too, which is, yeah, just, it's just really cool at that hospital. It was pretty mixed. Um, but it was so humiliating because one of them was like a, maybe the leader. Uh, but he, he would just, he kept scoffing throughout the week. That was like, there's so many Asians and making these kind of like racially inappropriate remarks. And the most humiliating experience was one day we all just happened to be in that room. And he like started egging on his colleague about it. I'm like, oh, like, you know, there's some agents here. It's so hard to tell a difference. And then he had 
it's not even audacity, but he was so ignorant, so racist. He, he, he asked us to stand side by side so he can take a photo with all of us in it. Oh my God. So for me, that was one of the most heartbreaking, infuriating experiences. And it also, in some ways, it highlighted some of the darkness of the culture of medicine, the unspoken parts of it, like going through it, like, you know, I think our generation, millennials, some, you know, Gen Z, like we're, we're more woke. Yeah, you are. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> in some ways, like inside, even though it's like the culture is you got to kiss ass, you got to yeah. put on a front. There's still so much hierarchical bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but inside, like my, like my class was like, it's like so taboo even. Uh, but I was one of the first people that asked for a break. Uh, but after I did that, uh, my class in our four years, there was eight total students out of 80 students, like a 10% of our class requested a leave of absent and that is just like so taboo like go back 20 30 years a break it's worse than suicide (laughs) yeah and there was such a high suicide rate in the medical community yeah um that is also very taboo I happen to know of a physician because I work with a doctor in New York City and she's worked very closely with a physician um who did a documentary about all of the suicides and all of the issues that and pressures that are are faced. It's almost, um, well, first of all, let me say, I'm so sorry that you had to um, witness that horrible experience. Yeah. Anytime I hear of of racism today, I'm still like, I I don't know if it's because I grew up um, Irish, my parents are immigrants and um, they came here not, you know, understanding the culture and, and really worked so hard to get to where they are and really taught us so well, um, young and being in New York, we were exposed to, you know, every wonderful race and color. It was just, it wasn't even, it was, we just knew everybody. There was no, it's just so, um, so yeah, I have found, especially, <laughs> during this um, season, shall we call it, of insanity, <laughs> that, <laughs> of how much racism there is and um, how it exists in medical school is just horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get to this breaking point and what happens? You, yeah. I mean, cause that's a huge decision to one, take a break, but then to go, I- I'm not gonna practice medicine. <laughs> yeah. So that was my third year. Um, I kind of, you know, I had, after my first week working in the hospital surgery, like I had some time my breakdown. And that's when I also had that freeing perspective change where I'm like, I'll just try my hardest. Uh, I'll try to make it through surgery. I'll try my best for the next rotation. And um, I kind of made up in my mind after that breakdown that I was going to request a break. But later that year, because I, I still like one of my lights at the end of the tunnel was so I had surgery two months and then two months of pediatrics and then two months of family medicine and I was looking forward to family medicine because in my head it was like you know I want to be a family doctor possibly or a psychiatrist so for me I was like I want to get there because who knows like maybe you know I'll, I'll enjoy that a lot and that'll help me push through um and it was awesome because I got to do that two months back home in my home state like back in Alaska of Canada <laughs> The Alaska, um, Canada. <laughs> but even then, you know, even then I had that rotation, it was great, but inside I was still kind of unsatisfied and unhappy. 
So I submitted my, my, my leave request, my leave of absence. So by February that year, uh, I was free. So I had six months free. And um, at that point, to be honest, I, in my head, I, that was me dropping out. I actually didn't actually want to come back. But luckily, the student affairs department, they were amazing. Like, I always had a good relationship with them because we had this wellness, wellness consultant. That was the first year of my school that they hired a wellness consultant for the medical student body. So, so she was kind of a therapist and she was the one that I kept seeing her. And then she was the one that pushed me to go see um, a therapist in like the main university's um, faculty. So mm-hmm. I, I, I got connected with a therapist and luckily on my six months off, I, I still got to phone, have a phone call with my therapist and uh, the vice president of the student affairs. He, he kind of made me um, an ultimatum that like once a month, you know, on my break of me taking a leave of absence, I had to call them once a month just to check in. Mm-hmm. So I was really grateful that he did that. So um, when, when I when I was free in February, I got to spend the rest of the winter back in the city and just like, you know, just relaxing. And even after a month outside of like leaving medicine for a little bit, it was such a difference. Like I was feeling more sane again, more calm. I had more foresight again. Uh, so it was a different experience. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Uh, And then I decided that I wanted to drive across North America. Uh, So this was me actually driving home to my parents. In my head, I'm like, I'm going to sell everything go back to my parents' basement and live there. And once I get to the other side of the country, I'll call up my medical school and tell them I actually am going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, long behold, um, my drive became like a soul journey. Mm. So it became from like just a quick drive across the country. Mm. It became a 66-day journey living out of my hatchback and oh, going wow. to all the national parks in the U.S., Oh, how beautiful. I'm not sure if this is kosher yet. Like (laughs) the last time I spoke with my therapist a year ago, she did tell me, you know, maybe don't disclose this yet, but I feel like I'm not doing my service as a healer and inspiring other people if I didn't share this Um, because it's such a crucial part of my road trip and my soul journey. I, I brought with me some Lucy in the Sky of Diamond, Mm. um, some of our plant-based fun you know medicines yes so on my road trip uh, every time I visited a national park I would I would go on a little journey and I would just kind of connect with the land and connect with you know because I really believe um something like Lucy in the Sky Diamonds it really opens up and connects you with like kind of your unconsciousness yes it's like that's really what rules us but it's like we don't think about it we don't talk about it 
-hmm. And I think that was for me, like, so, so I kind of went on my 66 day road trip and I decided that I wasn't quite done with medicine yet. And uh, a wise advice from like an old friend, he always says that like, you know, in some ways to finish what you started. So I kind of had that thought in my head. And also like, I wasn't sure yet if I was ready to leave medicine behind. Like I still felt like there might be something there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of came back and I had to redo my third year. So it was pretty cool. I redid my third year, starting with surgery again. So it was so cool to see who I was then after the break. So much has changed. It was still very gruesome. I still hated surgery, Uh, but I was able to go through the year and I went to my fourth year. So even going to my fourth year, I was like, maybe it's psychiatry. Like I love mental health. And maybe if I focus on psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my fourth year is wicked because you get to create your own schedule. So I focused with basically all psychiatry rotations. So I got to go to Toronto. I got to work with like anxious and depressed patients that were not responding to medication. I got to, I got to go to Vancouver, worked with all like bipolar and manic patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even then I was like, it's still medicine. It's still very diagnostic. You're still on the system and you could do, you could do psychotherapy, but you still go through five years of psychiatry where it's so heavily based on meds. So for me, it's like, do I want to sacrifice my five years of like time, energy, learning a skill set, working in a system that I don't really enjoy? Mm-hmm. So that's when I started my fourth year, as opposed to most of my friends, uh, my peers, I decided that I'm not going to apply for residency. I'm going to take a year off. And because you, you have technically two years from the time that you graduate medical school from joining a residency program. Mm-hmm. But of course, like the application process, if they did see that you took a year off, it's like kind of suspicious and they'll question you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to take a year off. And this was, I graduated May last year. So wow. this was, yeah, just to- Congrats. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Congrats. That's yeah. no easy feat. Right? No easy feat. Because I went through a lot of shame once again. It's like, what would my friends think? Like, what if this is the stupidest decision in my life? What if I what if I don't get into residency? What if I've just wasted this time? So those are like so much doubting thoughts. Um, but like literally, like, like the universe smiles at you when you start walking in the direction of your, your truth. Because mm-hmm. like I, I never would have predicted you would get hit by a pandemic. So I remember it was like back in March, we got this like very like vague email from student affairs, like saying that like the rest of school is canceled, like all our exams, all that was canceled. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we'll, They'll do what they can to like still access us. But for me, like March, I got a ticket, an early ticket to freedom. Wow. So wow. I started like, I didn't know what I was doing. I started a blog. I joined. Yeah, so let me, let me. Let me set that up because I'm yes, also very interested in that. So congratulations on becoming a medical doctor. And of course, as you're talking about psychiatry, I'm thinking about my alternative psychiatrist friend that you should meet one day. He's also an engineer who also is not um, big into the system and has a very integrative practice where they have yoga practitioners and they do healing through massage and wonderful, wonderful. So it exists. There's a, there's a world now today where there's also psychedelics and there's, you know, there's other people that believe the same thing as you. So that's, I hope that's comforting. (laughs) 
Um, but also, uh, I want to talk about how where you made this decision because you did you I I went right down to your first TikTok, <sighs> and I reverse engineered my way back up. Mm -hmm. And I know how you feel right now as I'm saying that. But you yeah. made a, you made a real commitment that you were going to do this no matter what the outcome was. Am I right? I did. Okay. So yeah. tell us about that, this decision about I'm going to go full on digital media and I'm going to put my truth out into the universe and see what happens. That's what I see looking at it very, you know, 500 feet above. Yeah. So tell us how that went. Yes. So uh, thank you for, you know, you're just, you like for, you know, following and like you, 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 you looked at the first TikToks. Uh, so I think the first one I posted was in May. But like with that being said, uh, I, I think I think this might highlight maybe another variation of the story. Uh, I actually kind of started and I kind of quit mm -hmm. uh, in terms of pursuing like a life online. So when I took that break in my third year of medical school back in 20, 2017, 2018, I actually started a blog then and I thought about coaching then. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was pretty gung-ho about it. I started a blog. Uh, but I kind of like fell out of practice and I think mentally I wasn't ready yet. I saw a lot of doubts, a lot of fears. So I actually, that was actually, I would say maybe that was when I kind of started uh, kind of maybe like making a blog, pursuing the idea of coaching. I asked my friend, my sister uh, to be my guinea pig. So okay. for a, a month I was calling my sister and I practiced kind of coaching with her, uh -huh. but then I kind of actually paused it there and that was 2018 and I didn't really revisit it until uh, last year. Um, so, um, pretty much like once I found out when I got that email from school that I was essentially going to be graduated, I bought a domain, I started a blog and TikTok, um, I, I kind of heard about TikTok and it was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, it was in May. I was with my ex-partner then she's, she's a gem. Her name is Kristen. And she's um, the one you made espresso for. Yes. Yeah. That was the first I know. Yeah, that was the first, my first experience of like a video gone viral. Yeah. And that was my first time it blew my mind. Like, like oh my God, I didn't even know what to do with like that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I knew about TikTok, but like, to be honest, I, I, I wasn't interested in it because I had my beliefs. I go, TikTok's for the, the young, it's for dancing, you know, right. the early blocks. I was like, right. I'll focus on Instagram. Uh, but I had a dream. I had a dream where I, I was just dancing and goofing around and I was making TikTok videos of it. So that's why you see my first TikTok videos. It's of me like learning how to shuffle. <laughs> I know, I love it. Part one, yeah, so part two. Yeah, I started off as that. And to be honest, my Kristen back then, she was like, what are you doing? Like, what, what's your plans with this? I so that. I actually like started doing those dance videos. And if you like kind of looked clearly, for a couple of weeks, actually, I gave up on TikTok. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I started yeah. doubting myself. Mm -hmm. But then when I revisited it, I went full out and I went posted regularly until like in October. So I was steadily posting in May, you know, May, June, July, August, September. And it was like in October, um, a video I made on this word. I don't know if you can, I don't know. I think it might be. Yes, Mono. Sonder. Yes. Oh my there God, is. you were There's so vulnerable. I, I highly recommend everybody just pause this, go to TikTok and find that one on Sonder. It was so beautiful. Yeah, and, and I think that really opened up 
that in terms of like, you know, everything, you know, stacks up and, you know, you can't, if you change one thing in the past, everything will be different. But in terms of like uh, an event that happened, it was that viral video that happened that really like all, all the clients I have now from inbound organic marketing is from TikTok. Like you, you're from TikTok. Like I, I joined an NGO because someone reached out from tick like through TikTok. Yeah. Like everything, like in my own business, in my own life, like I, I can't think, you know, kind of TikTok. It's so good to hear that off of TikTok because I can see that happening to so many people. I can, I can almost, I can feel how true it is, but to say it off of it, I think is really important for people to hear because I'm, I'm constantly, of course, thinking about the audience and, and how they could, you know, you could learn from your own example of how you started, you were shuffling, you know, you weren't sure of yourself. I promise you, everybody has gone through this. And then something hits where I believe that you took, you were just so raw and so you, and it was so beautiful and everybody felt it. Mm. And that is, that is the beauty of organic marketing and, and being so committed to doing something, not worrying what anybody else is going to think, right. And just letting it go. And that's really what always hits home. It's very hard to encourage, of course, a lot of doctors that I work with that this works, but you are a prime example of what I have been talking about for many years now. Mm. So thank you for that. So then everything changed and you got all of these clients and you started coaching and what has that journey been like? Yeah. Um, so I, um, so from March, I kind of started a blog. I was thinking I'd make a blog, get a newsletter because I joined a free webinar and that's mm-hmm. what those people just told me. And I was like, yeah. So to be honest, I spent a couple of months just like doing a lot of things. Like I started being active on Instagram. Like I felt like I, I just like stretched myself, like blog, email, Instagram. I started a Pinterest strategy. And I, to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. And then July, I got this excellent targeted Instagram ad where it was like a cheap $40 online tra- uh, life coach training. Mm-hmm. So I got a certificate. I got a happiness coaching certificate. And then I had no idea in my head. I'm like, I'll just design my program, make it really great. And clients will just come to my doorstep. (laughs) So I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like building my, I was spending all my time and energy building my program, but not realizing the marketing, the sales, the business part of it. And I got another great targeted Instagram ad where I uh, joined this one day, three day, or $1 three day virtual seminar hosted uh, by clients in abundance. They're a business based out of San Diego, but they're a coaching program for new coaches, helping them with mindset, marketing, sales. Mm-hmm. And um, I took a leap of faith and I invested in myself. Like I, I actually didn't like, even though like I've invested in coaching before and I spent time and money through therapy, um, like this program was asking for a lot of money. And in my head, like I was, um, I, I kind of had negative money. Like I kind of had like a poor broke mentality where like, I'll do this by myself. Like, this is so much money. I'll never even make it back. Why bother? But like, as fate will have it, like the three-day virtual seminar was pretty intense. And um, we went into breakout rooms where you, you got broken up into other people that were attending that seminar and you had to answer these very vulnerable questions. And I remember uh, the first day of the seminar, um, it was a summertime and I was actually kind of in a reckless place. Mm-hmm. Like 
I think I was just experiencing the freedom, not being in medical school, but I actually was going through a breakup as well. Mm -hmm. So I think I was in some ways self-medicating with smoking a lot of weed. Mm -hmm. So when I joined the seminar, I was like, Kai, let's be sober for these three days. Like Uh we can be sober for three days and let's give it our all. But I remember at the end of the first day seminar, I was like, it's getting late. Like I did so good today. I'll just smoke a bit of weed. So I smoked a bit of weed and then I felt a bit anxious. And then we're going, we're, we're like about to break, break, break out into our final, in our final group to do the final question that day. In my head, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm so drained. Like I don't want to do this. And I was high. So it was counting down on Zoom, like 10, 9, 8 to go in the meeting room. And I was like, I was like going to my cursor. I was like, exit, 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 close Zoom. It wouldn't let me. It did not let me. So next thing you know, I was thrown into this room with these two other women. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just vulnerable about, and we started, ta- they, they opened up with addictions and things they did in the past. So then I kind of started tearing up and I kind of opened up that, I also, you know, sabotage my success at times. Mm -hmm. So coming out of that experience, I was like, okay, like the second day, the third day, I really like invested myself in those days. And then I kind of left joining that program and that program Mm -hmm. really changed everything too. I love it. I love all these experiences. So this is what I would, this is what I want to do because I, I've already gone over what um, most people have an attention span for. I yeah. do 20 to 30 minute shows, but I really do believe I can talk to you for two hours. I'm going to ask you for a part two. Yes. All right. Yeah. Confirmed. Confirmed. Good. Perfect. Because, uh, but before we go, I have to know, I have to know how your parents feel about what you're doing. <sighs> yes. So um, kind of going back to the shame, uh, when I, when I was thinking about a break, uh, taking a break uh, in my head, I was like, my parents will hate this. They'll disown me. Like they'll disagree with this, you know, they'll think I'm crazy. And, and that was actually a big part with my shame of not wanting to take a break. Cause I'm like, I'll disappoint my parents. They funded my education. Like I'm the oldest son. I got to bring honor to the family. So my mom was actually the first person that I called um, about, I wasn't doing so well. I needed a break. And I still remember I, how supportive she was. Like I was not expecting how supportive she was. So she was very supportive. And for me, that was like, yeah. I'm okay to take a break. When I talked to my dad initially, like back in 2018, like he was supportive, but in his head, he like, it just didn't make sense to him why I would waste this time. And the doctor is the best thing in the world. Why wouldn't I be happy doing it? So in his head, he's like, take a break. I support that, but you're going back. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, now I'm not going back. I think he's happy that I started, you know, my own business and stuff. Um, but we, we don't really talk. Like we never really had a relationship like that. Um, but I know my dad will like maybe support me financially if I ever needed help. Uh, but for instance, like we, we just don't really have, we're kind of estranged right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's but a lot of that going around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do intend to like down the road, like connect with my dad. But I think too, it's just part of our own healing as like children, as parents to um, forgive, you know, things that you didn't get to experience as a child. Mm-hmm. And really for me to like begin to meet my dad at where he is and a lot of it too is just for me to realize that my dad has good sides and bad sides but I'm growing up to be my own man and I'm going to be a dad that you know I'll take parts of it that you know my dad has taught me but I'll also do things like my own way yeah well um I 
I'm so great that you said yes to the part two, because there's so much more that I want to ask you. And there's so much more I think that people can learn from you. I'm mm -hmm. going to highly recommend that everybody follow you on social media. I think you will really learn a lot about what you actually do for the world and for your clients. Mm -hmm. There's a lot about boundaries and a lot about um, forgiveness and positivity. I think that I think it's very daring to step out and do what you've done, mm -hmm. especially what society um, would say, you're crazy. Why would you not be a doctor? I mean, well, health coach, you know, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so stupid. I've heard all of it. I've, I've also heard all of the, you know, the MDs don't like the DOs and the DOs and the MDs don't like the acupuncturists and the acupuncturists, you know, it's a, it's a whole, there's a chiropractors, there's a lot of judgment yeah. in the medical world. And I think that your um, bravery to live your best life for you mm -hmm. is the creme de la creme. Because I have met too many physicians today in tears telling me how much they hate what they're doing. Yeah. And also asking where they wish, where was I 25 years ago? So mm -hmm. I could have helped them to, you know, navigate so they could do what they love and 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 pay for the services that they weren't good at. All of those other things that are so important. So um, so Coach Kai is coming back. Yes. Um, yes. And in the meantime, thank you so much for sharing such a, a powerful story of a really just life is too short, man, to not be living your best life. Yeah. And you never and know when you take the first step. It's almost like I'm imagining like, you know, it's like a big chasm. Doesn't seem like there's a bridge or anything at all. But seriously, once you take that first step, like almost this magical glass bridge, like starts to like meet you as you're just walking forward. Yes. Totally, totally. All right. So thank you for being here. Part one is over. We will be coming back for part two. Um, I'm very excited for all of you to follow Coach Kai and learn from you can learn so much just by watching those TikToks and, you know, about nature and meditation and simple things that we can do to improve our lives. So I want to thank you so much for being here today and being in our world. Thank you for your time. And thank you for inviting me as a guest to your show, Sharon. Yay, all the good feels. All of it. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.